Lord, teach us your way and teach us to be satisfied in you every single day, King of glory. I know that, Lord, down here on earth where we live, there are certain things that we desire and we want and those that we need. And I know that your word promises and says that you shall supply our needs in accordance with your riches in glory. And Lord, you've promised to take care of your own and those that you love and you can never leave us nor forsake us. That is your promise. We've seen you take care of birds and animals and you speak in your word in Matthew and you say that they do not sow, nor gather, nor keep in bands, but you have to take care of them. In Matthew chapter 6, King of Glory, and you inspire us and you tell us not to get anxious about anything, but to trust in you and to seek the kingdom of God first and all the other things shall be added unto us. We are sorry and ashamed of ourselves because often times we've sought the things of the world and we expect that you're going to be added unto us. We turn things around, but the more that we've departed from you is the more that we've kept and remained empty and vile within us. There is a chasm within us that we seek to feel that is entirely spiritual, that cannot be filled by physical stuff of this world. So I pray that we shall not be led by the illusion, but we shall be led back to you, King of glory, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We bless you, Lord, because of who you are, and we worship you. Speak unto us this morning in Jesus' mighty name. I have prayed and believed. Amen, amen, amen. A glorious and wonderful day, my friend, wherever you're picking uh, this message from. My name is David Kagwa that is reaching you with a message of Christ uh, to the divine vineyard of Christ, wherever it is, the church of Christ without borders. And that is basically our focus. And that is my calling. As a young man, I'm reminded this morning when I was growing up and maybe there was something to share and uh, uh, these things were not enough. For example, those a banana or two and we were four that had to share it oftentimes as a shirodi young man i would say ah i i, I mean you, you 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 can eat this or you can you can find a way of yeah sharing with me i mean you, i i gave this to my brothers now if you get one piece of banana and, uh, and there are two pieces of bananas and you're three and you give this to your brothers and each one of them has gotten to break a piece and give it to you. <laughs> what does that mean? They are definitely giving you more. You're getting more. Friends, I'm repenting just in case you don't realize that is the proper human nature. We are desirous in our hearts. We keep yearning and desiring for more, thinking that within this, basically, maybe probably, we are going to get satisfied Whilst it is an illusion. It is an illusion. You never get satisfied with anything in life apart from the Lord because you've never been wired for that. You were wired to derive your satisfaction from the Lord. For in him we live, move, and have our being. That is what the Bible teaches in uh, Acts 17, uh, 28. So today we want to look at uh, a topic that is entitled... Uh, that is entitled cease striving get satisfied in the lord cease striving and get satisfied in the lord that is what we are going to look at our passage is in first uh, kings chapter um, nine is where we are at right now and um we are going to take it from verse 10 uh, we just do four verses and you're going to be amazed at how life can get off course without us knowing a first kings chapter 9 and verse 10 it says it came about at the end of 20 years in which solomon had built uh, the two houses and the house of the lord and the king's house hiram king of tyre had supplied solomon with cedar and cypress timber and gold and 
according to all his desire. Then King Solomon gave Hiram uh, 20 cities in the land of Galilee. So Hiram came out uh, from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him. Uh, they did not please him. He said, what are these cities which you've given me, my brother? So they were called the land of Kabul to this day. And Hiram sent to king uh, to the king 120 talents of gold. And that is quite a lot over there. Praise the Lord. Now, friends, what we are seeing here is very simple. There's just one major point we are going to make today. What we are seeing here is uh, <laughs> very, very surprising. Let us first of all unpack the details so that we can get the proper context and therefore the meaning of this scripture. Now, uh, the writer begins by saying that it came about at the end of 20 years in which Solomon had built uh, two houses, the house of the Lord and uh, the king's house that Hiram king of Tyre had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress timber. Now you get to realize that um, Solomon had embarked on these two great building projects. Um, we realize that he had spent 13 years building his house. He had taken 13 years building his house and um, <clears throat> uh, seven years uh, constru- uh, um, uh, seven years constructing the temple of the Lord and then 13 years uh, building his house and palace and administrative quarters and uh, stuff of that nature. Uh, but when you go back to First uh, Kings chapter 5, you get to realize that uh, Hiram had had a relationship with David prior to having one with Solomon. So the relationship with Solomon is basically one that he inherited from his father because Hiram had actually dealt well with David, Solomon's father. In First Kings chapter 5, the Bible says, Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servant Solomon when he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father, for Hiram had always been a friend of David. You hear that? And then there was an exchange uh, of, of, of messages. And finally, in um, uh, verse 7 of First Kings 5, the Bible says, when Hiram heard the words of Solomon, he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord today, who has given to David a wise son over his great people. So Hiram sent word to Solomon saying, I have heard the message which you've sent me. I will do what you desire concerning the cedar and cypress timber. My servants will bring them down from Lebanon to the sea and will make them into rafts to go by sea to the place where you direct me. And I will have them broken up there and you shall carry them. Then you shall accomplish my desire by giving me food to my household to Hiram. Uh, So Hiram gave Solomon as much as he desired of the cedar and cypress timber. Solomon then gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for uh, his household, 20 cores of beaten oil that Solomon would give Hiram year by year. Then the Lord gave wisdom to Solomon just as he promised him. And uh, there was peace between Hiram and Solomon. And the two of them made a covenant. I wanted, first of all, for us to get to realize that there had been a covenant between these two. And not just these two, but also there was a relationship between Hiram and David. And uh, Hiram had supported David in the construction of his house. And now he is supplying Solomon um, all the cedar, all the cypress, and uh, lots of things. Later in First Kings chapter 10 and in Second Chronicles chapter 8, I guess you're going to see that they've been dealt in gold by Hiram uh, supplying a lot of gold unto Solomon. So there was a relationship 
But when it comes to chapter 9, where we are at right now, you realize that um, in their covenant, somehow they must have agreed that as part of the deal, Solomon was going to give Hiram 20 cities in Galilee. Now, if uh, you look at your map of um, um, Israel, you're going to realize that Galilee was close to uh, the kingdom of Tyre in, in Sidon, way up there. Um, um, Galilee was in uh, the northeast of um, Israel and was close to the border with uh, Tyre. And uh, this king, Hiram, at that particular time, was one of the wealthiest, if uh, one of the wealthiest kings at um, the time in the world. And, and you know, his uh, territory basically had harbors and uh, had uh, the busiest and uh, the most uh, uh, powerful or wealthiest port at that particular time. He was a wealthy king, very wealthy indeed. He basically dealt in maritime business and uh, he was uh, on the sea and stuff of that nature. Now, there are various arguments that have been, um, you know, fronted by scholars as to why Huram could have, um, he was also called Huram, as to why Hiram could have uh, rejected these cities. Some have said because for him it was, um, you know, basically um, used to uh, maritime business or he was a, a, a seafarer a, or a seagoing person that then he rejected the cities because he wouldn't have had much to use them for. But then in proper analysis, you're like, why would he have accepted them even when he hadn't seen them yet in the first place? So for me, that dissolves that kind of argument. Even when he was a seafarer, he had accepted the cities in the first place, so he had a purpose for them. Yeah? Uh, and, and others have prompted various arguments. But for me, the argument that uh, comes out is the one that he uses um, to describe these cities. So the argument is that the cities basically did not please him. They were not good at all. Now, let us look at this deeper. Um, in verse 11, Hiram, king of Tyre, had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress timber and gold according to his desire. Then King Solomon gave Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. The connection there was like these were kind of a repayment of some sorts. So Hiram came out to uh, from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him, and they did not please him. He said, what are these cities which you have given me, my brother? So they were called the land of Kabul to this day. <laughs> now, the, 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 the entire interpretation and the words that are used in this uh, narrative here basically point to one direction. The cities did not make sense to Hiram. And secondly, there must have been some kind of payment from uh, Solomon to Hiram. The word Kabul, which Hiram is using to refer to the cities in Hebrew, sounds like and means good for nothing. In other words, the cities were basically poor, were dilapidated, were not good. They were in Galilee. You remember what happened in John chapter 1, verse 46, when um, um, I think it was um, Mark speaking to Peter and telling him, come, we've seen the Messiah. And, uh, and Peter was like, there's anything good. Um, Nathaniel was like, anything good, can anything good come out of Galilee? Uh, of Nazareth, and you know Nazareth was a region that was in Galilee, uh, basically. But we basically see that these cities were poor. But now, let us come uh, closer to the message that we have today. What is happening right now? 
Solomon, a believer in the Lord, because we know that for certain, without a doubt, that Solomon was a believer, and especially in these early days, he really sought the Lord with all, with all his heart. We get to see him in uh, chapter uh, 4, um, or chapter 3, verse 4, chapter 3 of First Kings. We see him seeking the Lord in Gibeon, and the Lord coming to him in a dream in the night and responds to him and tells him uh, that he will give him wisdom and so many other things. You see that? So we get to see that Solomon was a believer. But when it comes to this deal, there were two things that were fundamentally wrong. One, uh, Solomon gives uh, this man dilapidated cities, cities that were not good at all. Solomon, a believer, is giving these cities to Hiram, an unbeliever. Maybe that also stands to be examined further because when you go to 1 Kings chapter 5 and verse 7, the word that um, Hiram uses to refer to the Lord is one that calls him Yahweh. You even never know, maybe he had come to a point of um, believing the God of Israel. But as we know, as it stands right now, Hiram was coming from a land of unbelief. Uh, if you want to know, that is later the place where uh, this lady uh, called uh, uh, Jezebel actually comes from. They did not worship the king, of, uh, the God of Israel. But we are seeing Solomon, a believer, repaying this man in a, a, you know, basically ripping this man in a deal that went bad in a way. Uh, you see, as a believer, Solomon should have shown in this kind of relationship, he promises this man cities and he gives him dilapidated cities that were very, very terrible. There were terrible cities that were given to him. In other words, Solomon rips this man off. As believers, we are meant to be satisfied in the Lord and we are meant to shine in our relationship with the rest of the people and particularly unbelievers. Uh, let me just find my argument here. In 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 21, uh, the Bible teaches and it says that all, all King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None was of silver. It was not considered valuable in the days of Solomon. <laughs> Are you seeing how rich this man was? In verse 23, the Bible teaches and says, So King Solomon became greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. Verse 27 says, The king made silver a common, as common as stones in Jerusalem, and he made cedars as plentiful as sycamore trees that are, are in the lowland. The point I'm showing you here is that Solomon was um, filthy rich and he was a wise man. Therefore, that means that Solomon knew exactly what he was doing when he gave these cities to, to Hiram. Of course, we know there is an argument at this particular point that these, these cities were not entirely conquered at that point. Uh, if you study Judges chapter 4, uh, and I think 2 Kings 5.29, that there is an argument that these were still not totally conquered at that point, and they were canonized still in those cities. But still, the... The Lord had given these cities to these people. So they belong to the Israelites in any way. You get that? Friends, as believers, we are meant to be satisfied. There's one thing that comes out here. It kind of shows you, especially if you study Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 2, you get to realize that in a sense, Solomon must have been greedy. He was a man that sought to give himself pleasure. He wanted to accomplish all these projects. If you study Ecclesiastes chapter 2, it says, and I wanted to find out how my 
my my my soul could be appeased uh, by pleasure by wealth and he constructed cities for himself so you could see that solomon in a sense was a go-getter and in a sense you could say that solomon actually did what he was doing consciously and he kind of understood it so when you go to uh, ecclesiastes chapter 2 you realize that in a way solomon was doing this and he knew that what he was doing was wrong and someone could argue that in a sense Solomon ripped off, <laughs> ripped off Hira. I mean, you could make that argument, and uh, for me, it seems to be uh, very important. Uh, you see that? This is what God is inviting us uh, to right now. Friend, you cannot get satisfied with anything in your life. You can never get satisfied in any way. Uh, when we seek the things of the world, they cannot satisfy us. God has wired us in such a way that we are meant to derive our satisfaction from him. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible teaches and says that man, God created, when God created man out of the dust of the earth, and he breathed into him, and man became a living one, being. Are you seeing that? In other words, for us to become living, to become uh, living beings, and to begin making sense, uh, we derived it from the breath of life, and therefore having God in us. You, you see that? He is the hope of glory in us. The Bible later teaches in in uh, in uh, Acts chapter seventeen and verse twenty eight, and it says, "For in Him we live, move, and have our being." In other words, uh, when you live, move, and have your being in Christ, uh, in in the Lord, we have this life. This is why First John chapter five and verse. Uh, 12 teaches and says that he who has the son has life and he who doesn't have the son has no life this is why if someone tells you that get out of my way i'm dead you should run away and go <laughs> because that is what they actually mean within them friend you cannot derive life from and satisfaction from the wealth of the world we keep teaching this Luke chapter 12 teaches us about that rich man that sought, uh, you know, satisfaction out of his wealth, and it finally did not count. He told his soul, "My soul, you have wealth for many days. There for rest, eat and drink, for you have everything that you need." And God later tells him, "You fool, your 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 soul will be demanded of you. Your spirit will be demanded of you. And whose um, wealth is this going to be, friend? What an illusion that we are having in our generation." What an illusion. And people are doing all these sort of things, and I'm not saying we should not work. I'm a very hard worker myself. But even as we are working, our focus should not be just the job that you're doing, should not be on just the money that you're getting. When people begin living off money, this particular thing becomes a God in their lives. It replaces God. In Exodus chapter 20, the Bible says that we shall not make no graven image for ourselves, neither in heaven, where up there, above, or on earth, or uh, uh, you know, the, below the waters that are below the 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 the, the earth eh, or the ground, and he says, when you do that, these things are going to become a god. There are people that are worshiping money right now. There are people that are worshiping success and achievement, and you find us running and competing with each other at work just because we want to be the best worker of the year, and we are trampling upon ourselves. For me, I want to believe some of us have been crafted to make others better. For some of us, that, that, but that is our calling. We want others to shine. That is our portion. We are like Christ. <laughs> you see that? But I want to point out something here uh, that uh, Solomon missed out and messed with 
in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, when the Lord is talking, he says that uh, we are one, the salt of the earth eh, and the light of the earth. You see, and he says that he wants our light to shine such that um, our deeds will be evident before the world to the point that um, the world will exalt and acknowledge our Father who is in heaven. You see, and he says that uh, if um, our uh, salt loses its favor, then what kind of salt are they going to season? I tell you, people look at us and there's absolutely no difference between us and them, between us and the world. And therefore, this is why people are even not so much interested in coming to the Lord. And we are setting a very powerful crusades in terms of expense and cost. And people are not coming to the Lord because thereafter, they don't see a difference between us and them. Let me just read this verbatim. He says in Matthew 5, 13, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. No, does anyone light a lamp and put it under the basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see that? So Solomon's light did not actually shine that much before, before Hiram, a heathen. In any case, I think Hiram must have compared Solomon to his father David and found Solomon wanting. He could have simply written, as in Daniel, men, men, tekelu, fasting. You've been measured, but you've been found to be lacking. You see that? And Hiram walks away in disappointment in one way or the other, even when he calls him brother because of the covenant that they had in between them. Friends, this is what we are doing before many unbelievers in our generation. We are not settled. We are running away with this woman and the other. And I want to tell you the temptation will be there. The temptations are going to be there, whether you like it or not. They are going to be there. You see this woman, you see the other, and this one is crafted in this way, and this one's calves are in this way. I mean, you're going to keep looking, and they shall be there. You keep desiring more money and a better paying job. You keep desiring them and go at them, no problem. As long as God gives them unto you, they will not control you. But there are these that we desire on our own and we want to be better than others and want to be the greatest. You know, you remember this kind of kids where we went to school that would go up there and write upon the rafters and they would say, never forget so and so. We have these egos within us that we want to exhaust ourselves with. And yet we look at Jesus, as he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and he says, have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus, who did not look himself or would not behold his divinity as a thing to be held, but lowered himself or humbled himself to the point of death and even death to the point of death. Now, how many to the, to, uh, and even death as on the cross? And how many of us could have done what Christ did, especially in our lives? Just see as you get a little money and you want to buy the biggest of cars, Eh? the biggest of cars i want to be greater than uh, anyone else around you and we want to be uh, you, you know we want to be measured to be the greatest of people for me the wealthiest men that i've ever seen have been very humble and they go down there and you can't even tell they're around that is what it is friends how are you living your life are you resting in the lord are you resting in him or you, you're seeking satisfaction from other things. Let me just wind up today with a mess that Solomon made somewhere else. Now, some scholars believe, and they say, maybe he gave this land for 
agriculture and Hiram did not like it and blah, blah, blah. But the Spirit of the Lord reveals that everything Solomon did about this thing was wrong. Now let me just get another dimension here as I wind up. The land in Israel, secondly, the land in Israel did not belong to the Israelites per se. They held it in trust. They held it in trust. Uh, the land in Israel belonged to the Lord. Let me show you a scripture in Leviticus chapter, oh Lord have mercy, 23 in verse 25. Leviticus 23 and verse 25. I want us to read that as we wind up. Leviticus 23, 25. What does the word of the Lord say here? Uh, it says, um, I need to get this uh, uh, I need to get this right I need to get it right it's a very important scripture uh-huh it's a very very important scripture I need to get it right I've taken time without checking on it but we need to get it uh-huh um okay Leviticus uh, Leviticus I need to get it right uh, bear with me here uh, briefly uh, bear with me here briefly. Leviticus, um, Leviticus, yes, Leviticus 25, 23. Uh, pardon me, I had to find it. <laughs> Leviticus 25, 23, yes. Leviticus 25, 23 says, The land, moreover, shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are but aliens and sojourners with me. Thus, for every piece of your property, you are to provide for the redemption of the land. If a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor, he has to sell part of his property, then his nearest kinsman is to become, is to come and buy back what his relative has sold. Or in case a man has no kinsman, but so recovers his means as to find um, a sufficient for his redemption, then he shall calculate at the year since it sell and refund the balance of the man to the man to whom he sold it and so return his property. But if he has not found sufficient means to get it back for himself, then what he has sold shall remain in the hand of his purchaser until the year of Jubilee. But as the Jubilee, uh, but at the Jubilee, it shall revert uh, that he may return to his property. I think you're hearing that. Here, God is speaking of the most extreme of cases when someone had to sell this land off because of poverty or a need. When he regained his means, he had to recover it. If he did not recover it, then a kinsman redeemer, whom we call a kinsman redeemer, would have to come and help him to recover it. If he didn't have one, then at the end of 50 years, which they call the Jubilee, then everything had returned to them. So what was Solomon doing? Solomon was giving away 20 cities, in a sense, selling them, and they were going to be gone completely. So this was against the will of the Lord. Finally, what we are saying here is that our life is going to find fullness in submitting to the will of the Lord and simply following him. This is what we are saying here. Do not do things. Do not um, get an enterprising in, in on your own and do things wanting to fulfill or to quench your desires in your way, getting desirous, just rest in the Lord, find your satisfaction in the Lord, and this is all that you need. Friends, how are you troubled today? What are you pursuing? What are you running after? 
Eh? You're running after this, running after the other, getting into funny deals. This is how our sisters have ended up selling their bodies. You look at these beautiful sisters and beautiful daughters of Eve. I pastored a church where um, I found a, a place that was nearby and, and they were selling themselves close by. Of course, we prayed and uh, they left, but my heart was aching. I've done ministry to, to, to prostitutes and friends, they are people. They are people, they are very human and they have their needs, only that they handle them the wrong way. I mean, what is it that you're pursuing? What is it that you're pursuing? Are you fighting the wrong way at work to be above each and everyone and you're stepping on them and crushing them in the process of, of, of getting your goal? You know, are you not sparing time for the Lord because you're working and doing this and doing the other? Some people are going into terrible land deals and so forth and so and so on, you know, are we offering in church for the sake of being seen? Are we going into data deals for the sake of getting money? Some people are saying the end justifies the means. Ah, 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 ah. You know, and some of us are living beyond our means just because we want uh, to be seen as people that are doing well, just because of this kind of attitude, you know. Solomon had the book of the Lord before him, the book of the law. If you study Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 14, you're going to realize that he must have known all these things. But finally, friend, you're going to rest in Christ Jesus. You're going to rest in him. When you go to John chapter 6 from verse 47, you're going to discover that the Lord says that I am the bread of life. If you partake of Christ, the bread of life, that is where you're going to derive your satisfaction. He says, your fathers ate of manna in the desert, but they still died. But whoever eats of this bread, they shall rest and they shall have peace. I wish you a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you even as you pursue him. Seek the Lord. Seek first his kingdom. These other things are going to be added unto you. I'm not saying you shouldn't work, but seek the Lord and be guided of him in your work, in your investments. Do not strive. And you're not going to be fulfilled by the things of the world in any way. May the Lord bless you as you ponder upon this life. Solomon finally discovers that in Ecclesiastes 2.10, and he finally says, it's vanity and chasing the wind. May the Lord bless you, my friend. Uh, may the Lord bless you. In Jesus' mighty name of pride, amen. God bless you.